Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast is created for hungry entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, personal development resources, and actionable tips. Now for your host, Jason Wright. This is episode number 82, Reaching the Peak of Your Performance with Thor Conklin. What is going on, everyone? This is Jason Wright, your host as always, and we've got another great show for you this week. This episode, like the last few, is brought to you by 7daypodcastlaunch.com. If you've been thinking about starting a podcast of your very own, but you have no clue where to begin, check this out. You sign up for the course, I send you an email a day for seven days. Um, Email's very brief, very to the point, very enjoyable for you. And at the end of seven days, you'll have the basics of podcasting down and understanding, and you can start your own show. Again, that is 7daypodcastlaunch.com, or you can text podcast launch, that's all lowercase and no space, to 678-506-7543. All right, today's random story. Random story is going to be easy today because I just did this. So when I'm not podcasting and I'm not being a husband and a father and working and all these other things, I like to get outdoors. I like to get outdoors and hunt and fish, a little bit of camping here and there, that type of stuff. And when I was about 16, I started hunting deer. So I live in southern Indiana. Indiana is a great state for big bucks, but just getting outside is is really the really enjoyable part, and I, I do like hunting as well. So, you know, most deer hunters at some point would like to get the opportunity to shoot a big buck or to shoot that mature animal that's so crafty and so hard to outsmart. Well, last year was the first time in basically 20 years that I had an opportunity to take a a really nice mature buck, and I actually just finished hanging that mount on the wall. So even for the non-hunter, you can appreciate this. You know, my wife wasn't a big fan of putting the deer on the wall, and she's like, I don't want to be one of those families. Well, too bad. (laughs) We're going to hang this up, but I wanted it in my office very specifically because Although people can see the 10-pointer on my wall now, what they don't see is the hundreds, hundreds of failures that led up to this point. So some of those failures could be, you know, the gun or the bow misfired, or the deer busted me, they saw me or smelled me, or I had equipment failure, or I made a bad decision, or there's just, there's tons of them. And I, I can remember spending so much time and so much energy season after season after season failing over and over and over and finally reaching that goal it's amazing it's amazing so put that in my office because in business just like in life you know any anybody who experiences a lot of success has a a history or has a a whole bunch of stories about failure failure is part of the process you know I'm, i'm sick and tired of people trying to avoid failure no accept failure and anticipate it and be ready for it. Fail fast so you can adjust and keep moving and keep trying until you get that winning combination. So that deer in the office is going to remind me and hopefully inspires and reminds some of you listening. The stuff doesn't happen overnight. 
And if you're willing to work hard enough and stay focused, good things can come out of it. So that's my random story for today, but I thought that was very fitting. So today we have a great guest. We've got Thor Conklin. He's coming to us from a company called Peak Performance Group. And we are going to listen to our conversation. I know you guys will enjoy this. What's happening, everybody? I've got another exciting guest with me this week. I've got Thor Conklin from Peak Performance Group. Let me tell you what I know about Thor. He is a podcast host, we love those, of Peak Performers Podcast. He is a trainer, a profitability consultant, and a keynote speaker as well. Thor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Looking forward to tonight. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I was hoping we could start off by uh, having you share your entrepreneurial journey with us a little bit. You and I have one thing in common. We were both caddies at one point. We're both very tall people. <laughs> I guess that's two, but <laughs> fellow loopers, right? There you, you go. Know. <laughs> and you know, really, quite frankly, I think my entrepreneurial journey really started back then when I was a caddy. You know, because you're sitting in the yard, you have to figure out how to, you know, get your craft together, and then you've got to market it to, you know, the, the golfers. Otherwise, you just sit there all day. So you really got to start to build a name for yourself. And r literally, the first guy—not the first guy, but the guy that really became my every weekend, you know, caddy job, um, you know, we spent four hours every week, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and I was just drilling about business. So, you know, I think it really started there. Mm -hmm. You know, what's sad is there's so many people probably even at the same place you were working at that did not take advantage of those opportunities. You know, they, they didn't say, look who I'm with and think about all the the questions I can ask and the brain I can pick, and they just you know focused on the the task at hand. So that's a great opportunity you seized. Yeah, yeah. And, and they would leave early. I would stay around for a second loop, and then when that was done, I was the security guard. I was like six foot two and about eighty five pounds, but I was the security <laughs> guard to keep you know rogue golfers off the golf course. And then I, after that, I would go and I'd be a busboy uh, at night. So I was just working hard, hustling. Mm -hmm. Now, did you ever have any stints in the corporate world, or how did that how did that go for you? <laughs> I, I did, yes. Uh, matter of fact, and that's really what got me into uh, truly being an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for the last eighteen years, and the first uh, company I started, I wish I could tell you this great story about how I was like the master of my destiny, uh, but it really happened in a, in a really interesting way. I was. Working for a corporation out of New York, we helped private equity firms uh, get in and out of deals, and we were one of their advisors. And I was in Atlanta on a part-time, you know, uh, or temporary basis. And someone retired, and I got a phone call from one of the largest private equity firms in the world, and said, "Hey, would you consider working with us or setting up your own company and outsourcing? We want to outsource some work to you." I was like, yeah, I guess that, that phone call doesn't come every day. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, that's how it started. I had 20 minutes to come up with a name of the company, uh, a business plan of what I was going to do. And basically, they bought 90% of my time. And I started my first business, Private Equity Risk Consultants. And I had 15 clients around the world. They had combined revenues of $12.7 billion dollars. Uh, and they operated in over 100 countries. So I, I wish I could tell you I clawed my way up in my first venture. Uh, it was really kind of crafted and put together uh, for me. So You know what's crazy? There's there's somebody listening that would put themselves in that same situation and be like, oh, man, I, I might have said no. I would have been scared. But you, you still seized opportunity. You know, you still, oh, absolutely. So, but that's that's awesome. What a, yeah, you're not kidding. You don't get that phone call every day. 
That's really good stuff no. there. So I tell you, I'm looking through your site, and I really honed in very quickly on your message. I'm a big take action guy, and you know, I love your perspectives on execution. Why would you? Why would you say that most startups fail in kind of that zero to two year period for startups? Why do you think most of them fail to execute? You know, so often I think the entrepreneur is what I'll call the artist. They love their craft. They love their baby, right? You know, not all babies are cute. Not all babies <laughs> are, you know, and, and, and we fall in love with our baby. It's like, oh, I just love making these little widgets. Well, does anybody want to buy the widgets? That's what we got to figure out. So I find so often that entrepreneurs, they have a great idea. But there's several key positions in a company that have to be filled. You've got to have the visionary. You've got to have somebody delivering the product and the service. You've got to have somebody that's selling and marketing. And then once the money's coming in, you've got to have somebody that's taking care of the finances. And it can all be you in the beginning. It can, you can occupy every single one of those seats. But if you don't understand finance and you don't understand the books and you don't understand accrual accounting, you don't know the gauges – well, you got a problem because the money will come in the front door and it'll just leave the back door. That That's not a business. That's just a, a siphon mm -hmm. or, or a sieve, I guess, not a siphon. And sales, you know, it, just because it's a great product doesn't mean it's going to sell itself. Someone has to sell it and then someone has to either deliver that product or deliver that service. So, so often I see the person that's in love with the idea but just isn't concentrating or doesn't have an expertise in all those areas. And one or more of those seats aren't being filled. And this is just me kind of going off the, the cusp here. But do you think that and this may be too general of a question, but do you think most people starting up should try to bootstrap, bootstrap and fill those roles? Or do you think they should try to find you know, remote workers a few hours here and there to help out. I mean, what are your thoughts with that? Well, it all comes down to the financial well-being of the company. If you have some extra capital and you can fill those seats with outside uh, folks, that's great. If not, learn the craft. Mm -hmm. Learn it. Mm -hmm. and, and some people, look, we all know them, right? We all know that the, the, the brilliant, brilliant visionary they just can't sell to save their life. It's like when, when there's a sales presentation, everyone looks around and goes, uh, please don't send him, right, or mm -hmm. her. So uh, the sales piece is, is has to be kind of in your DNA. The financial piece, you can learn. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the visionary, you either are the visionary or aren't the visionary. Um, and then delivering the product, do you have the skills and, and the, uh, the whereabouts to actually do that piece of it? So you've got to know who you are. And if you're not that person, Fine. Bring on a partner or hire somebody to do that. But it's, they've got to be filled. If they're not filled, you're going to end up with a problem. Well, I love what you said. What I hear you saying is play to your strengths. And I'm a big fan yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know where I'm strong and you know, I just try to focus on two or three areas where I'm naturally strong and try to become great and then surround myself with people and support where I'm weak. And it's, uh, man, I, I, I was just finished my first ebook and I'm publishing it this week, actually. But I remember when I tried to do everything myself and it took me a while to come to the realization that, man, there's a lot of stuff that I, I'm terrible at. I don't want to do it. I'm never going to be good. Like there's got to be a better way, you know? Yeah. Yep. Just make sure they're filled. Absolutely. One way or another. Well, let me ask you this. Think about this. When you get beyond startups and you just say even a seasoned entrepreneur, maybe even with a fairly high level of success, do you still see uh, people struggle with execution? I mean, is that something that certain people always struggle with or, or what are your thoughts? I see it all the time. 
all the time. I, I, that, I have an entire practice based on lack of execution, and it'll go right up into the billion-dollar organizations. Wow. You know, what what ends up happening is so often. Yeah, t- take a large, you know, Fortune 500 company. They'll come up with a great strategy, and then it doesn't get, you know, it doesn't work. And what do they do? They sit around and go, "Oh, strategy was wrong." No, it was the execution. You didn't execute on it. And there could be a myriad of reasons why they didn't execute on it. And what most people run around doing is saying, okay, we were missing something. We didn't have the right knowledge. So we needed to throw, you know, we've got to learn something more. And I see this, this cycle, this, it's almost like this gerbil wheel where people run around and go, okay, I got to learn something else. I got to learn something else. I got to go to this program. I got to take this, you know, book. I've got to do this. And they never take the time and just go, okay, stop. Just take a breath. Everything you have and everything you need is within you now. Now it's time to go and start executing on stuff. It's generally the psychology that gets in the way, not the lack of knowledge. I love that. It's, you know, that over analysis paralysis that, you know, that feeling everything's got to be perfect. Just do it. And if you screw up, which you're probably going to learn <laughs> from it, adjust and try again. You know, I love that. Yeah. I, I mentor a bunch of uh, young entrepreneurs, great, bright guys and, and women. And I was working with them on something. They're like, well, that's easy for you to say. You've been doing this so long and you like know everything. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I said, when I start a new venture, I'm just like you guys. I just I'm faking it until I figure out how it works, because I don't know if my strategy that I have is going to work or not. But if it doesn't, I just pivot. And then I pivot, I pivot, I, but I keep moving forward. I just put on the face and the smile of, you know what? There's, there's, some are things are going to work, some things aren't, but I'm just going to keep moving forward. And the beauty about what you're doing, I mean, just the taking action part of the execution is 99% more than most people are going to ever do anyway. So you're already leaps and bounds ahead of them. Absolutely. I recently interviewed someone who is an adventure racer, a world class, a world, uh, not wreck, a world. She had won a world event. Uh, for adventure racing and adventure racing was popular probably about 20 years ago and it would be a team of six to eight people they drop in a, in a jungle somewhere and they had to travel a thousand miles to the finish line and they had to use all kinds of different things and i said you're in the middle of a jungle and you're kind of lost you don't know to go right you don't need to go left i said what do you do she goes just pick one i'm like well, well, yeah okay what do you mean she goes it doesn't matter which path you choose what matters is you keep moving because when you keep moving down a path, you start to see things that you did not see where you were standing still before. I'm like, wow, that's, that's really good. That's really good, right? And she told me a story about where this particular race that they won, they got lost. They went down the wrong path. They ran into a raging river. They decided to jump in it. And this river took them downstream and ahead of all the other competitors and they won the race. Wow. Very cool. Well, and the good thing about traveling on a path is you have the opportunity to use your hindsight and see with clarity then, you know? Yes. Yes. And she goes, you know, look, even if you're on the wrong path, it doesn't mean that you have to reverse and go all the way back. You just you just make a new path through the, the woods on the left or on the right. And I guess another thing is if you don't, how do you know if you're on the wrong path if you don't move, you know? You got to get moving exactly. to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it. So this may be a tough one as well, and it's not meant to be, but... Talk to me about a, a timeline. If you think about like a brand new startup, what kind of a timeline do you think they have to be profitable? And I know there's a lot of variables that that fill into that, but I, I think a lot of people get caught up in that that honeymoon phase. It's excited, new website, new social accounts, and all this stuff. And at some point, 
you know, money becomes, uh, you know, starts flowing out and it may not be flowing in or not flowing in enough. So what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, it always takes more time than you think to be profitable. <laughs> Whatever the business plan is, double it. Whatever amount of cash you need, double it. Whatever you think your expenses should be, cut them in half because a lot of things happen that you don't expect. You know, businesses only go out, out of business for one reason, not because of lack of sales, not because of lack of profits. They are out of cash, period. That's mm -hmm. it. That's the only reason businesses go out of business. So you've got to conserve and treat your cash like uh, it, it is everything. You've got to treat the cash like it's gold. Mm -hmm. um, as to answer your question, how long should they uh, until they turn profitable? Well, as soon as possible. But the real answer is, as if you've got a runway of four months and then you're out of cash after four months, well, you've got to be profitable after four months. The biggest mistake that I see so many companies make is that they throw money at issues as opposed to trying to figure out how to get it done as cheaply as possible. If I give you a million dollars for your startup and I say, okay, go, and I give another group 10 grand and say, go, they're going to spend that money completely differently. The more money that you have, the more wasteful you're going to be. I, I, I'm a big proponent. It is not sales versus expenses equal profits. I know exactly what my profits are going to be next month. And I'll tell you why. Because I take sales, I then deduct my profits, and then what's ever left over, that's what I pay expenses with. I do not pay expenses after um, or, or pay, get my profits after I pay everybody else. I take them first. You didn't happen to read Rich Dad Poor Dad, did you? I did. I did. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So that's take where your, I've heard that take, before. <laughs> take your money. Take your money first. Literally, I have uh, separate bank accounts um, where I just I take money out for my taxes. I take out money for my profits, and the last bucket is expenses. And the funny thing is, as that as those expenses are the last item to be paid. I'm so much more careful how I spend it because when that when you do it the opposite way, it's so easy to have your profits sucked up and you're in business to make a profit. If not, just run a charity or run a hobby. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's uh, that's powerful. It's very counterintuitive because a lot of people listening are going, are going, "Wait, what did he say?" That's, yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it takes a second to sink in, but. You know, yeah, Robert Kiyosaki at the end of that book, and I think he's written about 20 or 30 books, He, I think he's done that for a long time, and it's obviously worked well for him and worked for you as well. So, I mean, you guys uh, are on to something. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's almost boring. And I'll, I'll, really, it really is because it becomes like a machine. Dollar in, X percent for your profit, X percent for your taxes, X percent for your um, – for your uh, I'm, did I do that right? Uh, profit, uh, taxes, and then your expenses. There you go. Yep, I'm yes. with you. And and it just it just becomes, uh, I guess the easiest way to explain it's a, it's it's a machine. I mean, it's kind of neat because you keep seeing that profit account go up. They've got to be in different accounts. Don't try to do it on a spreadsheet. Yeah, where you just kind of do you know do an internal accounting for it. Just literally on the fifteenth and the thirtieth, I divert money into each of the accounts, and they just keep going up. There you go. 
Well, my, I call my audience through, I call them Inspire Nation. Um, so give, yeah. a, give us three tips for Inspire Nation that will contribute to their individual peak performance. So again, we're talking to startups, you know, maybe it's zero to two years. What would you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll fire these off uh, pretty quick. The first one is, I call this the ultimate success map. And I found this map literally on the subway of the Atlanta airport system, the little train that runs between the terminals. And if you ever in Atlanta, uh, Hartsfield, Jackson Airport, you'll see it. You've got baggage claim, the T gate, the A gate, B, C, D, E, and F. And if you reverse that, it will give you a map for anything that you want to accomplish in life. First one is F, figure out what you want. E, come up with an efficient and an effective plan. D, you've got to make a decision. So many people are interested in success, interested in this. You've got to decide. Even when you decide, you've got to take that to one more level, and that's commit. I wanted to go skydiving because I was afraid of falling through the air. So I figured the best way to break that, right, is go skydiving. I booked a reservation. I, I got on the plane. I got myself strapped into, you know, next to the guy with the, he had the parachute. I was just kind of strapped to him. And it wasn't until we left the plane that I was actually committed. There was no going back. Mm -hmm. B, your belief systems. You really got to check in and see what your belief systems are and are there anything that's going on that is preventing you from taking action. A, action. You got to take massive action. And you need accountability. Then once you're taking action, life doesn't happen immediately. It takes time for things to get traction. So you've got time involved. And during that time period, you've got to be tracking and measuring. And you've got to be adjusting to make sure that you're pivoting and moving in the right direction because some things are going to work, some things aren't. And as long as you put in all this, you know, in order, you can't skip any of these things and you spend enough time, then you end up in baggage claim. You can collect your, uh, your luggage full of cash. So I got to so, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. So that's the ultimate success map. So that's the first one. So I was going to Did back you, up real quick. Were yeah. You were in Atlanta and you saw these letters and the acronym came to you? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I had been working on this for probably 15 to 18 years. I said, there's got to be something that I can follow each and every time that's a, a system, a map, a, a process, a recipe or something. And I had about half of it done. And it was in notes and books, literally. I have them in notebooks. It's kind of funny. I, I pull them out and look at them. But I, I didn't have all the components. I was missing pieces. And I, there it was. I was like, of all places, you know, this, the map on the, on the train. And it just came together. Nice. So ultimate success, ultimate success map is the first uh, the tip. But the second one is accountability. Find someone, paid accountability, find someone that will hold you accountable. Not your friend, not your mom, you know, not, not some, you know, what ends up with most accountability is it turns into a friendship. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. And it really turns into just kind of a, Hey, you know, what happened last month? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It was a tough month that you'll do better next time. No, you need someone that's going to hold your feet to the, uh, to the fire. There's plenty of paid accountability groups out there. Mine starts at under a hundred dollars a month. And you know, it, it's funny because people are like, Oh, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars a month for my accountability. I said, look, that's only just to separate those that say they really are interested in success and those that really aren't because everybody can afford a hundred dollars a month. 
So find someone, get paid accountability. And the last piece is so often I see people are trying to figure out how to systematize everything so they don't have to do any work and the thing just brings in cash. It delivers the product, it brings in the cash, it's got a drip campaign, it's got a funnel, great techniques, and depending on your product, what I see missing so often is that connection, that relationship, that phone call. I was working with a client and he had, he was selling items for as little as $5 on eBay and he had ones that were more expensive. And he goes, I just don't feel connected with my clients and my customers. I said, well, why don't you call them? He goes, what? I said, why don't you pick up the phone and call them? He goes, who? I said, I don't care. Just, you know, you've got 80,000 people in your uh, CRM. Pick them. He goes, what am I going to tell them? I said, just tell them that you're the president of the company and you just wanted to know if they enjoyed their last purchase and if there's anything that you could do. I'm calling from my cell phone and just leave a message for him. And he did, and you can imagine what the result was. These people are like, you're who? You, you call, I mean, I, I ordered a $3 water bottle from you. Why are you calling me? We've lost the connection and the relationships. That's how real business is built. That's how you build a, a lifelong client. There's no replacement and, for that human interaction, is there? No. And, and you know... I, I see so many people not doing it. Uh, they don't do it in, in my space, and I hope they never do because when you do it, it really stands out. Mm -hmm. Very nice. So those are my three tips. Thank you. That's awesome. Very good stuff. Well, I can't resist. I always have to ask about the podcast because I'm a podcast. So tell us yeah, about yeah, your podcast yeah. a little bit. Yeah, so uh, Peak Performance Podcast is, I literally set that up because, remember the book I was telling you about, I had uh, th these notes, partial notes in there about the uh, success map, mm -hmm. is I put together these books for my kids, and they were interesting fact facts and things to remember. And they're read books that I was literally for 25 years just putting random notes in there. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm, you know, I've collected all this stuff. I'm going to give it to them. They may not even ever read it. I was like, why don't I get this stuff out there in a format that will live on for, you know, hundreds of years. So I'm like a podcast. This is brilliant. I, you know, I, I don't want, I'm not a good typist. I don't like to write. So I'm like, I'm not doing a blog. I was like, I'll just get on the, the air and just talk about it. So that's how it started. Uh, we're up to 300 and some odd episodes now, and it's all about sharing the tips, the tricks, the tools, the strategies that peak performers use. And I'll interview people in the area of sports and politics and business, and it's so interesting that no matter what area it is, there's a common thread that runs through all of it. It's really, really interesting. The people are still doing the same thing. You know, the, there's common themes throughout. You know, people are getting up early. They run their life by their calendars. They're single focus. They've said they've learned how to say no to things. You know, it's. It, I was really surprised to see the similarity. I guess I, I was expecting something a little bit different, and it it surprises me every every time I do one and it's like up oh, that sounds like so and so yep that fits in here and I'll talk to somebody about you know 
health and fitness. It's like, oh, I can use that for my business. So Mm -hmm. we're having a lot of fun doing that. Well, and the cool thing is, I mean, the advantage you get, because I I haven't done near as many as you, but you get to interact and and rub shoulders with all these people and pick their brains and you can take the parts that really help you and apply to you and put them back in your own business. It just makes you that much better. Absolutely. I'm taking notes. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm improving my game. They're saying things. I'm like, hold on, say that one more time. And the really (laughs) cool part is uh, I just interviewed um, uh, David Allen uh, getting things done. And, uh, man, he gave, he gave me a great tip, a great tip. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll share it with everybody. Um, he said every day he asks himself, what are those things that are really top of mind that are really draining his energy and taking his focus away from things? I'm like, Ooh, that's a good question to ask every morning. And I've incorporated it into my morning routine. And I say, okay, what, what, you know, what's the thing that, and it could be literally like you haven't you know, taking the, you know, the, I don't know, you haven't cleaned the garage that you said you were going to do a year ago. It may not be a real high priority on your business or in your life, but if it's taking up all this mental energy, it's sucking the life out of you and it's affecting the other areas of your life. Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned the garage thing because I was like, man, does he have a little camera looking into mine? Because that's my scenario <laughs> right now. Well, my issue is different. My wife may or may not listen to this, but here's my issue. I say, hey, Carmen, all you have to do is get this stuff to the garage, and I'll take it from there. And I'll, I'll get stuff organized. Like, all right, this is garage sale. This is Goodwill. This is trash. It's pretty simple. We haven't used it in six months. It's gone. And then she'll rush out to the last minute. Wait, 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 wait. I, I want to look at those boxes one more time. Well, some of those boxes have been sitting out there for two or three years, and at a certain point, they just disappear. I don't know where they go, but <laughs> <laughs> we will see. I understand. Uh, well, let me ask you. So, just talking about podcasts in general, when you've yeah. done over three hundred episodes, are you doing? How many are you doing a, a month? Are you doing them every every week, every couple of week, or what do you? How are you doing that? Yeah, no, there, there's uh, there's five a week. Okay, it was seven days a week, and then it just became. That's and intense, I got, man. I know. I, I outsourced it, um, you know, as much as I could, but I still have to record them. Yep. So uh, I'm down to five times a week. I've got somebody that, that does the sound, all the post stuff and all the show notes and everything. And, and just recording them, I mean, just to schedule. I only do one a week now, but I'm backlogged maybe 10 deep on release. So I think in August we're going to go to two or three shows a week. But I, I don't think I'll do more than, than three, I think, because it gets – man, it's got to be a lot of work. So Yes, it is. It is. Well, let me ask you. I mean, I just love to talk to another podcast host. Do, do you think having a podcast gives a business owner really in any kind of niche a, an advantage? I mean, obviously, you get to connect and network with people and pick their brains. Uh, what do you think? It, it does. And what's interesting is I started with the podcast is just to kind of get the information out there. There's a lot of material that I share that is my own content. I'm not regurgitating you know, somebody else's content. So I think it's a really great platform. But here's the thing that if I had to do it in – in retrospect, if I had to do it all over again, I would have done it differently. And a lot of people come to me and say, hey, yeah, I want to start a podcast. I said, well, what's your objective? They're like, I really want to get my message out there. I said, that's great. You can also do that by being guests on other people's shows. But what I started to do was I was spending an awful lot of time shouting at the masses. This is what I do. This is how we do it. And, you know, here's some content. Here's something. Here's something. And I kind of violated my own, I don't, maybe it wasn't my own rule, 
but it's one of the things that the tips I shared with you. And that is really having that connection in that relationship. And if I had to do it over again, I would have spent more time working with my network. I have a very large network and I just kind of assumed that they would understand what I was doing and they'd kind of, you know, they'd see it, they hear it. And then I didn't really have to explain or put time into my own network. And it wasn't until I started really spending time there that things started to, to skyrocket. So I think I, I love a podcast, but I would go back to get the base, get the foundation set with your network, get that client base built up, and then supplement it by adding on the uh, the podcast. Don't start with the the megaphone to the you know to the masses. Start talking to your friends, family you first. Well, that's great advice. So, what do you have going on yep. for the rest of this year? <laughs> rest of this year. Well, I have a live event that I have in November, which is Business Execution Summit that I run. It's a three-day event here in Atlanta. Um, and the rest of the – oh, God, what else do I have? At, I'm actually a trainer for uh, Tony Robbins. So if Are you really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I do uh, do some work with Tony. So I'll do about two weeks of uh, work uh, with him throughout, uh, towards the end of the year, which I always enjoy doing. And matter of fact, I think I'm actually going to sign up for an event which is going to be at Stratton Mountain, and it's going to be hiking up and down Stratton Mountain. I'm sorry, up, not down. You take the gondola down in October, which it, you do it 16 or 17 times, and it's the equivalent of hiking up Mount Everest. Wow. It's Yeah, it's being put on uh, by a buddy of mine, Jesse uh, Itzler. Um, he uh, had started Marquee Jets, sold it to um, uh, the guy in Omaha. <laughs> who's, who's, who's the guy? Uh, I have an Buffett. uncle in Omaha. Yeah, Warren Buffett. Warren, Warren Buffett. He sold it to uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Gotcha. And uh, just an amazing entrepreneur, uh, crazy guy that's always trying to figure out how to push, you know, push it to the next limit. And uh, I, you know, it was funny. I was walking up some stairs uh, this week, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I could walk up Stratton Mountain. 16 or 17 times in a three-day span, it'd be 29,029 feet. So that's a that's a big uh, that that's a big thing that I'm I haven't committed to yet. I'm I'm at the right. I'm going through my success. It's like oh, I really want to do that. Now the plan would be that I have to do this, but I just haven't gotten to the point where I'm saying I'm in because when I'm in, that's it. Oh yeah, so. absolutely. Well, I know you're a tall guy. You're what six four, six five. Yeah, six four. Is Tony taller than you? He is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a big six, guy, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's six six. But here's the thing: he had a growth on his pituitary gland, which made him grow uh, really, you know, larger than most uh, most men. Sure. So everything about him is gigantic. Yeah. I mean, he is just—he's not as tall as he is. Just his hands are like forearms. Mm -hmm. You know, his fingers. I mm -hmm. mean, it's just—he's a huge dude. Big personality too. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, very cool. If somebody listening would enjoy reaching out to you, Thor, what is the best way they could do so? Yeah, the best way to get me on all the social media platforms, it's Thor Conklin, T-H-O-R-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. Um, website is ThorConklin.com. So all that's really easy. And what I'd like to do is a special uh, gift to your guests or the listeners rather, is if anyone sends me 50 words or less, an email, just send it to Thor at ThorConklin.com, 50 words or less, 
a business problem that you're struggling with that you just can't seem to resolve. I will write you back and I will give you a four-step process to resolve that problem. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my client, my hourly rate is six ninety-five an hour. So I'm not going to read a book if you send me five-page email. I'm not going to respond to that. But if you send me, <laughs> if, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't go through and uh, spend hours and hours on all this. But if you send me fifty words or less. Uh, I will respond personally back to you, and I will give you a four-step process to resolve it. That's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate appreciate your time very much, and I've enjoyed this. No, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Take care. All right. We are back to the show. Thor, I know you're listening. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate that. Today's episode, if you want to check out the show notes, as always, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 82, and you will get the conversation highlights of show notes Thor's bio, see a picture of Thor and um, his links and social stuff is there as well. So very good stuff. If you guys uh, enjoy the podcast, I'd love to invite you back each week and check it out. We have a lot of guests in the pipeline. Uh, Sometimes I'll do a solo show. Don't do as many as I used to, but sometimes I like the mic all to myself for a while. So tune in, check it out, check out the website. Uh, It's all about, it's, it's really narrowed in focus. It's all about startups, but it's not so broad. So startups I'm going to define as kind of that zero to three month, sorry, zero to three year window of entrepreneurship. And I'm doing two things for you. I'm showing you that you can do it. So I'm giving you motivational content through my conversations with these guests, through the blog, things like that. And the second thing I want to do is I want to help you make money. And and my focus with that is going to be through Facebook marketing specifically. So I've used it for my own business. I know how important it is to be able to get your message in front of people that you don't know as well. So basically catching that cold traffic, and there's there's some ways you can use it for warm traffic as well. But I said, you know what? This can be my thing where I can help these startups tap into um, the monster that is Facebook marketing and help them make more more money as well. So awesome, guys. I appreciate your ear as always. Stay tuned next week for another great episode. Thanks for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to Intentionally Inspirational. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or check us out on SoundCloud. To check out all of our resources for your startup business success, visit our website at intentionallyinspirational.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.